Real Bad is part of the Cage Club Podcast Network. If you want to explore more podcasts about movies and nostalgia, head over to cageclub.me and check out some of our friends. Hello and welcome to another episode of Real Bad, the podcast where we talk about real bad movies and why they want to hurt us. I am Nick Jenkins. Today I'm joined by three friends. First, Matthew Gatos. Hi. Sam Schultz. Hello. And first time guest on the show, Ryan Cole. Howdy. How you doing? Good. Doing great. Excellent. You've got stress coming up though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lots of it. Why is that? Well, I uh, <laughs> I work for VidCon. Uh, it's a big, big, big convention. Uh, a lot of moving parts and... Yeah, there aren't enough hours in the day. <laughs> and you and I have known each other a long time. Yeah, you were my editing professor. Yeah, it's wow. been a while, it's been a long yeah. while. Um, and then I saw, I watched you in a student zombie movie. Yep. Where you hit somebody with a bat, and I was very impressed with the force perspective mm. because it looked like you really were going to hit that person with a bat. It was awesome. Yep, it was a good fake out. It was. Yeah. It was awesome. Did you die in the movie? Uh, that one I did not. Okay. Nobody did. I, I don't think. I think it was all in the aftermath. They were and just, pre-zombies. No, it was they, just two dudes sitting at a baseball diamond. I think having a smoke. Uh, yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, two dudes, and then they got. I got really into method acting, and they got me <laughs> extremely drunk. <laughs> and yeah, they made me try to dig through a trash can for cigarettes, and I was, you know. It was great. It was being a good college dirtbag. Man, <laughs> being that drunk and then swinging a baseball bat near someone's face yeah. feels like a recipe for disaster. You know what? It's the, the good old Robert Altman method. Yeah. <laughs> you you got to live it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I saw Popeye, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let's not talk about a good film today. Let's, let's, and I hate Popeye. So I like Popeye. I like Popeye. I know. There's this division. I you're with me? Yeah, I'm All right, you. we're two to two. Okay. That song makes up for a lot of the badness. Oh, there's a number of songs in it, right? Well, I mean, like, the main, the, you know, the main song. Which one? The Olive the Oil song? Yeah, the song? Olive Oil song that's also in Punch Drunk in Love. In Punch Drunk Love. I have yeah. no idea what's going on. Okay. <laughs> it's a good soundtrack. I saw it. That's my bonus real good I saw it when today. I was a kid, and I was like, ugh, and then I never saw it again, so. Mm-hmm. I own it. <laughs> no, today we are talking about uh, a David A. Pryor film. We've talked about one of his films before, which is called Deadly Prey. And today we are talking about the much-anticipated Night Wars, a film that I was very excited to watch because the, the premise made me go, that sounds great. Who was anticipating? I was, and Sam was. I was excited. Okay. We've been talking about it for months. Yeah. Okay. Possibly years. Possibly. Year. Well, no, Possibly year. A year. is whenever we did Deadly Prey. Mm-hmm. So, because uh, we talked about it and it was like... What? Why aren't we watching that movie? I don't think I watched Deadly Prey with you. No, you didn't, but I was talking about... Huh. Um, what, it, we've been talking about it for <laughs> yeah. a while. Yeah. And so uh, Ryan decided to come in and join the team for this one, and we are going to discuss David A. Pryor's Night Wars. 1988, I think? Maybe 89. one of the... like. I feel like this is one of the least popular slash least known movies we've ever discussed on this podcast. According, I base that alone on the ratings systems online because on Amazon, we watch a lot of things on Amazon yeah. streaming, and we've joked on this podcast about how almost everything on Amazon gets like four or five stars, oh, no yeah. matter how terrible the movie <laughs> is, and it's usually rated by like 10,000 people. Give this four stars. Yeah. This was rated by, let's see, four people <laughs> and had a two out of five. Yeah, that this was is a like shocking the lowest number. rated thing by the lowest number of people I've ever seen on Amazon. <laughs> was it every one of us in the room gave it a rating? <laughs> yeah, it was the four of us. <laughs> I still don't know how to rate things. I think you have to buy them. I don't think you can rent them and then rate them. I think that's uh, why so many ratings are so positive is because you have 
to like maybe have purchased it to be right. allowed to rate it. That's huh. dumb. So if I rent already, it, I should be able to, to rate yeah. it. But that means that people bought this and then still gave it like a two or less. They were disgusted with themselves. <laughs> yeah. I would buy this. I'm just yeah. putting that out there right now. Uh, yeah. Well, before we get too far into this, it is 1988. I just looked. Damn. Um, it looks like it was made in 1982. Yeah. Uh, this did not has not aged well. But also, it I'm not sure it knows what year it takes place in. Mm-hmm. No, but we'll get into that. Yeah. Uh, okay. But before we get too far, we need to do a 60 second plot dump. That person's going to be Sam. Me? Yes. Oh, not the new person. <laughs> right. I like the new person to sort of get a feel for things. Okay. So, all right, we're going to do Night Wars, 1988's Night Wars plot dump in three, two, one. Oh God. Jim Lowry is a Vietnam veteran who is haunted by nightmares of his his co-soldier. I don't know. That's not the right <laughs> word for that, but I'm going to say that. Johnny O'Connor, who died in a POW camp, he wakes up from one of these dreams. Not battle damage. Okay. He wakes up from one of these dreams, calls his old sergeant, Trent Matthews, says, I'm having dreams about Johnny again. Help me out. Then they both start having dreams about Johnny, and they both start waking up with wounds that they are inflicted upon them in the dreams. So then they figure out that the dreams are trying to kill them for some reason that isn't really ever made clear, and they have to save Johnny from the dream so that they can stop having these bad dreams. Uh, They go into the dream world. They face down McGregor, who is like a traitor, I guess. (laughs) who is who's seems like he's in control of the evil dreams they kill mcgregor they save johnny they come out of their dream but then that dream turned out to be a dream and a dream and they're all back in vietnam and then trent shoots mcgregor at the end why does he shoot him for no reason no No. he says just in case just in (laughs) case (laughs) he wakes up from a snooze when he's in vietnam Sees McGregor and has just had a nightmare about McGregor. And, and McGregor then... seems like a perfectly nice guy. He does. Yeah. He just Although seems... there's like that, you, you're supposed to, I think, get a small hint that maybe he actually will turn bad. Because he's like, you want me to take the, the back on this one, Sarge? He's like, not this time. And just shoots him right in the heart. <laughs> just yeah. bam. Yeah. I can't wait for Night Wars 2, which no. is a court hearing yeah. for his uh, court martial. Well, Sam and I were talking about it, and Sam made a very good point that nobody seemed to really care. They just all walk no, off. They're just all walking around <laughs> the river. Yeah. yeah. And like, like Jim sees him do it, and he's like, why'd you do that? And then he says, yeah. just in case. And then that that's the end and of that conversation. And they freeze frame. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's like if everyone else had like walked away for a while and then he did it, he could like maybe at least lie and say there was a scuffle. The Viet Cong yeah. got him. Yeah. yeah. But instead he just like, they turn their backs for a second. And he just blows them away. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot to say about this movie. Um, and uh, I will go ahead and start. I really like Deadly Prey. I, I had a good time with Deadly Prey. Uh, and I really enjoy this movie for a lot of reasons. It, it's not well made. Like it's it's it to me feels like a high school production. Mm-hmm. Like, like so much so that I kind of am like giving it kind of how Sam you reacted to things. Uh-huh. Like they give it the old try. They're just trying to make a thing, and that's how kind of how I feel about this. Look at me. Oh, look at them trying to recreate Vietnam. They put genuine effort into it. I feel like they're trying. Yeah. Um, and I like like the idea. Of this movie, like Nightmare on Elm Street meets Platoon, mm-hmm. is how I've heard it described, and I agree with that. And I think that's one a of great those idea. is very generous. The Platoon side <laughs> of that, <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street. I can definitely see that comparison. Well, platoon is just like also Vietnam, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a Full Metal Jacket, whatever you want to yeah. say. Um, but it's so I enjoyed it. I had a good time. I had some 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 moments in this film, which we'll talk about later just rung out to me as like, oh, if that had been played for comedy, 
<laughs> instead of being played seriously, I would have really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't. They took it too seriously at times. Mm-hmm. But that being said, like they took the whole film seriously. Like they were really trying to make something. So that's my general feeling of it. Sam, how about you? Oh boy. Um, yeah, I think that's generally my feeling of it too. They seemed like they weren't just goofing around. They were trying to make a real movie that really said something, I think. I don't really know what the background of any of these people are. I looked and looked and looked, and I could not find any background information on David and Ted Pryor that w- that related to like war, to war I, or I don't, anything like that. They were too young for Vietnam. Definitely. Just, they were, uh, just barely. Just, they were like 14 <laughs> or 15, I think, when it ended. Yeah. So... I don't I don't know how late into it people were getting drafted and stuff, but I guess they were hypothetically staring down going to Vietnam. Which well, is their probably, parents would have been. Their parents would have yeah. been staring at the, at the idea of their kids totally going. So yeah. there's that. Probably would have entered into their minds, but it seems like an extremely sketchy take. Like sketchy as in like not really firsthand experience Informed. take of of PTSD and what a soldier experiences. I think it's a better take of PTSD than Thor in Endgame. Yeah, that's I a very bad so. take. <laughs> My take, I, I, or mm, the Thor take. It makes it sound like this movie does a good job of handling PTSD. No, and Endgame doesn't either. But I think Endgame does a worse job. Huh. I don't know any. I don't. I also don't know anything about it, so I'm not sure if right. watching it, it was a good or bad take. But it seemed extremely simplistic, except for a few standout moments that I thought were pretty effective maybe just one was when he was sitting in his car and the radio started playing yeah like that propaganda message that was like oh i could see how they could turn this into like a good movie where he's haunt like literally haunted by the ghosts of his past but that was um, also really weird because that seemed to come from more talented filmmakers totally because mm-hmm. like it starts very subtly mm-hmm. this is the radio and then a voice on the radio and then it says something and you go wait what what yeah what did they what Oh my God! Mm-hmm. And know. his acting even is like a little bit better. Right, than the rest of the it's time. a better version of a scene in the same movie. Where earlier in the movie they have the scene where he like hears a song on the radio. Oh God! Oh, yeah. I forgot like, about that. Here's this hit from 1967. So oh. you're supposed to go, okay. So I guess it was during Vietnam. I did not put that together. And then it's a very bad, clearly an 80s song. Yeah. Uh, that is all about memories haunting you. Okay. It's like you'll never escape or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Oh, but it's I like the same kind out. of vibe of like he hears a thing on the radio that mm-hmm. maybe isn't actually on the radio. Mm-hmm. Right. So basically it has one really good effective part, but then this movie was kind of like a riot to watch. I really enjoyed it. It was like very classically horrible movie. Um and it was pretty much exactly what I expected. Funnier than I expected, though. Less boring than I expected. It was less boring than I expected mm-hmm. as well. Ryan. Yes. This is your first time talking about a film here. Uh, what yeah. was your experience with Night Wars? Had uh, you seen Deadly Prey? I have seen Deadly Prey. I love Deadly Prey. Um, it's a lovable movie. It's a great movie. It is a movie that's just made out of biceps. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I, I actually, I rather enjoyed this movie. I like kind of schlocky movies. And this had... I think this movie 
more so than Deadly Prey, had some of the best supporting characters, best side characters, like Jack Shane, the car oh, dealer. The car dealer. <laughs> and and poor, let's, let's see it. Car I dealer. Jack he, was, he was He was so good. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like he wasn't in that movie. He came straight from the set <laughs> of a Twisted Sister music video. He did. He just yeah. like emerged like a phoenix out of a pile of oh, cocaine. So, so good. creepy. So good. And then the bad guy, what was his name? McGregor. Uh, McGregor. McGregor. That guy has the best sneer game in the biz. Yeah. Like Good that guy's eyebrows. like upper lip, yeah. Mm-hmm. He had the the de- Silent Night, Deadly Night guys like eyebrows, but for his lips in that movie, yeah. and it was so good. <laughs> well, and he like he's sort of the Freddy Krueger of this movie. Yes, I, until you get to the end and realize it's all it's all bullshit. But I, yeah, th- yeah, I had a real that that was my big that was my only logical issue with this whole movie was 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 McGregor a, a Freddy Krueger. Well, I'm just <laughs> saying that. To give you to give him a little more credit, like Robert England got to ha- be made up. He had mm-hmm. all, you know he had a glove and he had all of this stuff to help build a character. The guy playing McGregor had nothing. They didn't even give him a military haircut. They <laughs> no. just like he's he's just dude. Yeah. You play this character, and he really went for it. Mm-hmm. Right, but I guess the whole thing is like he kills like people die or get maimed or whatever while they're sleeping, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's the whole kind of disturbing wife scene. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. That was a hard one. Uh, yeah. But she wasn't sleeping and uh, like he still. Yeah, that's confusing. I, I, but I, was she, I thought she was sleeping. Well, they allude to it because you don't see McGregor, but is McGregor coming from her husband's dream? I, like, she can see she, him, she was on but the, phone the doctor with, cannot. She was on the phone with Grizzly Adams. And, yes. Yeah. Dan Haggerty. Oh, right. Dan Haggerty. So she, he really called her, so she wasn't yeah. asleep. Yeah. And he was really there. Also, right. don't and forget, also the finger. But much, much. I think most of my big comments throughout this will be again, like the episode about rock and roll nightmare. All of that was not real. Yes, because everything we're describing of like her being on the phone with the doctor, her being raped by McGregor in a dream slash maybe not a dream, yeah. is all in her husband's who is maybe not her actual husband's. That head. she may not be his. Uh, she may not exist. Yeah. But also, didn't he? Uh, didn't he like die at the end? Was that the whole thing? Because like he got shot up. Well, everyone got shot up. Well, no, but... he died in the dream. Uh, yeah, and then he wakes up back in, in Vietnam. Vietnam. But when he got yeah. shot up, he came out of the wall and he wasn't shot up. Hey, anymore, got, he, him right? and uh, the guy. No, he died. He died because they're waking up. Oh, Sarge. he's the one who dies. Yes, right. Okay, I remember now. Oh man. But nobody really died except for McGregor. <laughs> except for poor McGregor, which, <laughs> <Yeah>. which everyone's <laughs> just like, eh. <laughs> because just, just, in, just case. in case. Yeah. So good um, time. No, I like that movie. I'm I you know, it was uh as Sam would say, it's a it's a little gold star that says you tried on it. Um <laughs> yeah. because I mean even the opening shot on it started with this cool push shot with like a really long chained uh, uh light bulb. Oh my god, the <laughs> naked, naked light bulb, light bulb. with an insanely <laughs> long chain. It was like a head level. It was still kind of pleasantly lit in there yeah, too for a naked yeah. light bulb. But it was like pushing in and it had a matching shot. <laughs> yeah. I think that's that's kind of a cool, you know fun thing to try but yeah well you're talking about filmmakers who don't know anything about filmmaking yeah and so when they do something like there's a part in this movie where they had they had a jib somebody sitting at a table and they just have the jib going down and i was like look at that they got to work with a jib that's cool what's a jib so a crane is the big version yeah jib is Uh, basically something that a one person can operate okay it's a counterweighted thing so instead of instead of tilting up and down the camera stays level and goes up and down okay god i've never tried to describe that out loud mm. it's a lot of shots that you see of like a car pulling up on a street and like the camera's yeah like, is like slightly above street level and then like lowers down to like windshield level uh-huh. it's just that sort of like smooth motion down yeah. okay 
Yeah. When you're an animator, you don't have to know any of that stuff. No, yeah. You just make it, you push a button. And yeah, we had, and in film school, we had the two worst jib arms I've ever worked with <laughs> that, um, like, just to get one jib shot most of the day, just trying to get the jib shot. Because it was broken or what? Yeah, there were p- parts were broken. They had the wrong screws for uh, different cameras and, like. They were the noisiest thing. Oh, they were squeaky so as hell. loud. Yeah. <laughs> Seems well, bad for Also, there are, like, set. union people who operate these things on a regular basis, and they're the people who are, like, good at these things. Yes. Right. So it's like if you just hand, like, a steady cam to a person who's never used a steady cam, uh-huh. they're going to be like, yeah, sure, I could figure this out. Right. So. Oh, and we all got to do that in film school. You get a, st- a, st- a cam strapped to yeah. you, and you're all of a sudden like, this doesn't look like professional cam work. <laughs> yeah. My cam looks like handheld shit. Yeah. And How fast do I have to run backwards? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Mine was always crooked, too. Like, I could never get it to be... Because you have to... It, it's, it's, there's a delicate sensibility to working cams. Huh. Anyway, regardless. Matt. Yeah. What was your... You had to split this up. Split it up. I mean, I'm the only person I think who hates this film. Here. That's fine. Uh, I hate Jack Shane. Uh, he's the worst. Who's Jack Shane? The, the car, car salesman. The car oh, salesman that's, guy. That's he was so sick. lovable. He's he in a different movie. He is in a different movie. He's in the the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He's Mark Maron. Actually, yeah. we get that, and then we get Jared Leto as McGregor. Yeah. Uh, we got all the jokes. It's a mix. It's like if Jared Leto and Rico Kasich had a baby. Oh, Rico Kasich, mm. the lead singer of the Cars. Okay. He just has the same haircut. Lead singer of the cars, uh, okay. lead singer of 30 Seconds to Mars. If Jay- oh, oh, yeah. Oh, and they oh. rhyme. 30 Seconds to Cars. <laughs> <laughs> That's just what I needed. <laughs> oh, uh, oh uh, magic. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, didn't like it. Uh, <laughs> mostly, it it was a weird experience where I have hated like some of the films we watched for this podcast in different ways than I hated this movie. This movie was like genuinely upsetting to me and mm. sad. Hmm. Like I watched the first half of it and then had to stop and finish it the next day because I was like, no, I'm not enjoying this. And that was purely because of sort of like the handling of the PTSD thing, mm. I guess, slash not handling of the PTSD. Because it was one of those things where I think watching this now, I'm watching this going clearly – these men in this film are suffering from PTSD, from being in Vietnam. His wife understands it. The doctor agrees. Yeah. But nobody is dealing with this. And what they're doing instead is going and getting drunk at 6 a.m. and then shooting their dreams. Um, I was able to get over some of that near the end. Like, once it gets just completely ridiculous. It gets so ridiculous. When they start, like, gearing up and then laying down in bed next to each other so that they can go to sleep. That part genuinely made me laugh. I think that's Ryan's favorite part. Yeah. That's 100% my that's favorite very part. Good. Can, can, okay, about that part. Oh, man. Two questions. One question. What did they do with Susan's body? Because she is... You don't need to concern yourself with that. Well, she is raped and murdered in yeah, that bed. Like 10 minutes before Like 10 that. minutes before. So Even like... When they lay down, there's still blood on the yeah, pillowcase. Yeah, it is the same bed. <laughs> it is the same bed where this just happened, and they don't show anything about well, disposing of Susan's they had body. To get they didn't cut to the bathtub. They, I don't know. Yeah, they just moved it so they could get revenge. Yeah, I, well, I, I think that also like the the smartest character in this movie being the one who gets raped and murdered. Yeah. Oh yeah. They ha- hated that. The only um, person who gets murdered. <laughs> oh yeah. McGregor also gets murdered. Well, in the dream, though. I mean, just in case. 
Yes. To be fair, the only person who gets actually murdered is McGregor. That's true. But yeah. inside this dream dream, whatever. In the husband's dream, yes. the only person to actually get killed is his wife, who yes. is, in his dream, the smartest person in the movie. Yes. Right. That's weird. I think it would have been, I kept expecting the, him to wake up from the dream where he ha- where they had the big war, you know, where all the guys were there. Mm-hmm. I kept expecting. I expected him to wake up and then get like a phone call that was like, "Oh, everybody in your platoon or whatever is dead." I think that would have been interesting, right? Like if all those people had been, oh right, been killed. Yeah. Actually, Sorry, it took me a minute to. Figure. Then it would have given it some actual weight instead of. I don't know. Right. It's like it uh, Wes Craven's new nightmare where yeah. all of the people on set, you're getting phone calls like saying, "Well, this person died. This person isn't answering yeah. their phone anymore. This person." Right. And and that's I think what you just you just said about giving it some like stakes and like making it feel like i don't know it felt very flippant to me in a lot of its handling of uh like post-traumatic stress but also in these matters of like the husband and wife relationship and just like not really giving us a main character to really care about because i felt like it started off very strongly of like we're watching jim almost commit suicide yes and like it was weird that it flipped to a different character yeah and it then it takes a while to let you realize that, oh, I think Trent's now our main character. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a while where Trent just seems like the buddy yeah. who's helping Jim through this hard time. And then And then you we follow stop. him home after they're drinking at the War Memorial, yes. and you're like, okay, wait. And we stop paying any attention to Jim for a while. Yeah. And then we have to go back to Jim. By, by, that, by that point, most of the story has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, it's a little strange to start off like that. And so I think it... Not only did I did make me sad, uh, that I also didn't latch on to either of the characters because I don't think it let me. Um, you know, I think the only character I latched onto really honestly was uh, Doctor Haggerty, Doctor Dan Haggerty. I liked the wife well, quite a bit. She yeah, was, the wife. She I liked was very a lot. nice. Susan. She seemed nice. I think she was fine. I just didn't connect with her. Hmm. She uh, had six lines. Well, she yeah. did a lot of like concerned looks though yeah and I, I she's the only one who was yeah. using her face to act really. i think i connected to her Besides, because like yeah. she was thinking what i was thinking yeah most of the time is like it. she was like when he was talking about this dream and freaking out she was like you should go talk to someone i'm like yes that's what he should do uh-huh. but instead he's gonna go drink with his friend at six in the morning yeah well then she actually makes a phone call like hey we need yeah to, he, yeah, yeah and i was like oh good need to talk. <laughs> yeah like and then <clears> i she didn't open with the finger though you got to open. If you've got a severed finger in a bag, I feel like oh. that's your opening move when you're going know? to see the doctor. Where did the finger come from? It was she found it in the car. Right. Because that's when he had the flashback the, the where Johnny's finger, Johnny's Johnny's finger got finger. cut off. Yeah, but right. she she didn't bring it. He, like, uh, Dr. Grizzly Adams had a whole thing where he's like, if you need it, if you need someone to run for prints, don't get me. I thought it was the police were. No, no, no. She, no, no, she found she, it. That's right. She has it in a bag, and she just, like, throws it on oh, his yeah. desk. And she, he's like. <gasps> and I feel like that's what she opened with. Yeah. <laughs> it is weird that, like, she's like, all right, I have a bunch of things to talk to you about about my husband. Oh, uh, before I forget. Uh, <laughs> here's a severed <laughs> finger on your <laughs> in his car. I mean, like, of its, of its time, uh, I hate saying that of its time, but there there weren't a lot of movies in the eighties that were kind of talking about PTSD and or getting help getting for help it. Because yeah. this was kind of the gun porn thing. This is where First Blood became Rambo Three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My problem with that is that I don't think we can give this movie credit for that because that character is then raped and murdered and not proven right. Oh, <sighs> what? Like as far as like the whole PTSD ish thing of the movie, that none of that is true. 
to these men's world. Like in their world, okay, they do not yeah. have PTSD. No, they have a nightmare yeah. Freddy Krueger. <laughs> Freddy Krueger, right. like <laughs> who gets just shot through the heart, and everyone's like, yeah, yes. all right. And so right. like, it's sort of that thing of yes, that viewpoint is presented, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, it is not presented as true or right. like the right way to think about it. Right. They just presented sort it as whimsy. Yeah, it's yeah. presented no, as No, it's like, a setup. It's, it is the way to get the story moving. Well, and at points is used as like the nagging wife who doesn't want you to take all of her money. Like, yeah. I don't all think you're supposed to, I don't, I, correct me if I'm wrong. My feeling was you're not supposed to be agreeing with him in those moments. Oh, I absolutely think you're really? supposed to be on Trent and Jim's side and you want to kill McGregor. I, I mean, well, yes. Then who's the protagonist of this movie? Well, that's the pro- one of the problems with this movie, and you've already brought that up, which I think is great. Is like the, the again, we have a film being made by people who don't know a lot about filmmaking. Yeah, that's true. It's also the same with you have a story being told to you by a bunch of people who don't know a lot about storytelling. Is it a writer director situation? A um, brother brother writer. Brother yeah, writer? the brothers. Okay. So uh, David and Ted brothers. Um, who co-wrote Ted also acts in a lot of the films. He wasn't in this one though. Okay, um, he was. Which is, an, in, again, an interesting choice. He was in Deadly Prey, and that dude is ripped. Uh-huh. Um, he the main dude in Deadly Prey? Yes. Okay. Yes, he's the main guy in Deadly For Prey. For a second, I thought he might also be Jim, just because they were like kind of blonde, ripped no. muscle army men, and I was like, is that the same guy? I'm not going to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't him, but... The you can have a thing where you start with one character and then transition to another character as your your main character. Uh-huh. Like that, it's done. It takes some finesse. One of my favorite movies of all time is Serenity. Like I love that movie, and that has a transition because we start with River Tam, and then there is an actual shot that is used to transition to Mal as our favorite as our main character, uh-huh. and that was something they really realized in post. So they went back and reshot that shot because they felt like oh we lost our protagonist which part is that uh it's before they go on the before they go to rob the um the the place at the beginning Mm uh he says something to river and she walks off camera and the camera lingers on him as he said this is what i do darling and then he says to no one this is what i do and so right. that shot serves as a way to transition us into the, Mal being the protagonist. Okay. And then, because then after that, the cameras focus mostly on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you can do it that way. But the, again, somebody, the editor, someone had the thought. Nobody had that thought in this movie. Right. See, I, Psycho does that too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Very well, yeah. yeah I yeah. almost want to give them a little more credit, actually, because I think they thought about it and I think they couldn't pull it off successfully. Because I, oh, I will give you that. <laughs> I think the phone call is the moment of the handoff. The moment Jim wakes Trent up uh-huh. at like five in the morning with the phone call, I think is that sort of if you give Jim only like one small short scene at the beginning, like this movie starts off with a guy with Vietnam flashbacks who's trying to kill himself. And then it like you don't really know who he is or what's happening yet. And then it flashes to a phone call being made. And this is your main character. And then you start to know like his name, his relationship with his wife, what he does on a daily basis. Then you can kind of quickly go okay here's our main character that's his friend that he's concerned about yeah but what this movie does is gives us a really long time with jim in the mm-hmm. beginning of like feeling like he's who we're rooting for and then doing that phone call well and so you bring up the the scene that opens in the torture chamber right in the or the torture hut i guess mm-hmm. and there is a way to shoot that where trent because it's both trent and, and yeah jim trent's not revealed for a while in that flashback. Exactly. Too. If you shoot that in a way, so 
Trent is observing mm-hmm. all of this, and that's we understand perspective. Like, whose perspective are we getting from here? Then it becomes much easier to do that transition. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also the the way of thinking that you could start with a character. It doesn't have to be Jim, but you could start with a character who is going through these problems, and then they die, yeah. and that sort of moves the story forward, a too. A scream situation. Yeah, you have a scream situation where the, the first person you feel like is your main character, well, Psycho as well, yeah. like where you start with Marion Crane, but oh, Marion isn't the main character. Yeah, That doesn't happen in here. But Oh, I just thought, that, and then this isn't going to be really part of my fix, because I have more radical fixes, but a small <laughs> fix I think you could do radical for that, yeah, <laughs> super radical, uh, for that moment is, like, you have that the flashbacks and the scene of Jim with the gun, uh, if you cut to, like you were saying, like shoot that from Trent's perspective, yeah. and all of a sudden you have Trent wake up from a nightmare, and you're realizing that those flashbacks were actually Trent's nightmare and yeah. not what Jim was flashing mm-hmm. to. Like mm-hmm. They can kind of have that coinciding nightmare thing happening, but all of a sudden, like, you realize, oh, you were in his nightmare, you weren't in Jim's. And then as he wakes up, a minute later, he gets a call from Jim saying, "Like this is happening." Yeah, wow, but that's good. Small yeah. fixes. Yeah, that like you, you could, could re-edit do. this movie into well, a, I'm not a good movie. I mean, it's two different movies. Like hit the sixty minute mark, and it is, it is two different movies. Uh, and it, I, I, I yeah. think that yeah, it's weird that like that last whatever half hour is so. I was going to say action-packed. <laughs> I don't know if that's the appropriate words for it. They it's were just, trying um, to make yeah. it action-packed. Yeah. It's slowly rolling. It's like, like hey, action we've, got, we've got three huts and 20 grenades. Yeah. Just keep throwing them. <laughs> oh, they um, had like the, the Power Rangers fireworks behind it. They, didn't oh, make, yeah. they made no <laughs> yeah, attempt to hide cool. that. When there's the explosion, that you can just like, see the little yeah, firework Yeah, you see the cannon. Roman candle. There yeah, was like, a number yeah, of times also that they were throwing the grenades, but I'm pretty sure they were pretend throwing the grenades. Absolutely. I don't understand because he always had a grenade like clipped to his vest, but there were multiple times where he just like like moves his hand and throws but doesn't release anything and nothing flies across the screen yeah. did, like he just makes the motion and then it explodes across well, did you realize that they use the same shot like five times the one where they're rolling around and fighting and mm-hmm. the one where they're doing some guys doing a, a sweet kick and it's weird for a Vietnamese person to do a karate thing in the yeah but then and then also uh, the grenades it's the same shot the guy flying like out of the building yeah yeah oh exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so good they shot that from like six angles they're like we're gonna use it <laughs> yep. six times <laughs> okay I gotta talk about my favorite part oh it's my favorite part and it's the part that I wish had been played for comedy and wasn't but it's still my favorite part so the whole thing in this movie is if you're holding on to something when you go to sleep, you take it with you into the dream and vice versa. Like if you're holding yeah. on to something when you wake up, Nightmare on Elm Street, same thing. Right. It's the same that you, you hold on to Freddy. That's how you bring him out of the dream. So they get fully outfitted. Well, they start actually before that with the guy just lying on the couch. Uh-huh. But they give him a gun. And not only do they give him a gun, they give him a fully loaded gun with live ammunition. <laughs> and then in the dream, he starts shooting at people. And then his sleeping body just starts going bang, bang, shooting the gun off. And Jim is like, whoa. Yeah. And I feel like that, I, when it happened, I was completely unprepared for that to happen. And I laughed so hard just thinking about, oh, you could have made this such a great comedy moment. It still was, though. It, it was, was hilarious. good that it wasn't for comedy. He's I in think. an apartment, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Someone <laughs> is, okay, we said nobody got murdered earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone <laughs> who lives above them, dead. 
multiple times because then a few days later, <laughs> apparently the cops never check on this so. because a few days later, then they have AK-47s and grenades. Yeah. Except that's in the house. Yeah, and they're laying down when they do that. <laughs> yeah, they're they're in the bedroom yeah. in the house, so it's but not. A, but, and I don't think oh, they're throwing the grenade, which is weird, right? Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> they, so they all they all get like suited up and they're yep. firing all the guns in the in the end scene. Don't you think like like Trent's house is just full of bullet holes? It is. It is. Yeah. Because the uh, uh, Grizzly Adams almost gets shot when oh, he walks yeah. in. No, but he almost dream gets shot gun. because uh, uh, McGregor, McGregor was shooting, shooting at them from the dream, being a ghost, like f- being a Freddy Krueger. So the fake bullets are real and the real bullets are real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yet nothing is real. <laughs> but nothing is real. Also, yep, it was all one dream. <laughs> I love that scene. It's so great. Well, no one where it's like when he runs out of bullets. Yeah. And he's <laughs> holding this and he's like. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, this is an audio medium. I'm but he's hold, no, he's holding the gun and 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 it's like this great mo- filmmaking where you're like, how do I have to communicate? <laughs> how does one character communicate to the other one that he is out of ammunition? <laughs> and, and yeah, and he keeps just <laughs> uh, uh, and then the other look. Okay, I'm not a gun nut, but I generally know where all of my ammo is. And the fact yeah. that he doesn't know it's where in that backpack somewhere it's in the somewhere in the backpack, <laughs> and then he gets it out and he kisses it before he gives it to the guy. It's just beautiful. It's it's it, it is so bizarrely incompetent, but at the same time I was right there with him. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, get him that ammo. And it's such a good reveal because he shoots in the dream before you cut to him shooting. Yeah. Him <laughs> and you cut to Jim's reaction. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> It's great. I yeah. love those moments, and I loved the the as you uh, pointed out, Sam, the the ridiculous tactical roles oh, that they so kept good. doing over and over, and <laughs> yeah. like not even behind like he thing... hides behind like a six inch hay bale yeah. Yeah. at one point, and it works. It works. <laughs> yeah. When he runs out of ammo, he's hiding behind the skinniest tree, tree in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Both his shoulders are well, and then when they eventually the do get shot, it's because their tactic was let's just run. Away, Straight away. <laughs> like let's not even roll. Let's just run in the opposite direction of the guy who's standing calmly with a gun. <laughs> a guy in khakis. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, it, I mean, all of the quote unquote, as Matt points out, action in this was just amazing to me. Like well, it's it was clear they had like a fifty foot circle in yep. the middle of the woods yep. that they could film in and make it quote unquote Vietnam. Yep. And so they built a few huts <laughs> and mm-hmm. a pit. Yeah. And they were yeah. like, that's Vietnam. We have three days to shoot this. Let's yeah. get it. Ignore, <laughs> the, ignore the fact that we have no sort of jungle trees in the background. Yeah. That's some pine trees, in fact. Yeah. <laughs> that was... uh, you know what? Full Metal Jacket was shot in England. It, it was? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, was it does not look like this Vietnam. This is exactly huh? the same as Full Metal Jacket, yeah. Yeah. is what Nick is saying. The pit was also very small, and every time the dude would stick his head through the bars, they would all just pop up <laughs> with his shoulders. My yeah. favorite is when he's clearly not in the pit. There's like a few shots of the pit where it's like, there's no like, yeah. there's like you're shooting around the pit with all these guys, and the you can see into deep. it. Yeah. And Johnny's not like, hey, hey, yeah. like, he's just not in there. Help me. Oh, what a what a wonderful experience. I, I do want to go back to what you said though about how it's we're not handling PTSD. Well, I also don't know a lot about PTSD other than just like stuff that I've had to work on on my own and and things like that. So I don't know a lot about it. Here's what I'll say: I don't think they do a good job of it. I agree with that. I get the sense that they were trying. Now that doesn't mean that doesn't give them an excuse to do a bad job, but it does at least make me not be angry at them as much. Mm-hmm. Like I don't feel like they were playing it for laughs. Mm-hmm. I felt like they were trying to play it as like, no, these guys are really haunted by something. 
and I and I, I but I do agree with you that it's not it's not good. No, because I think that comes across a little bit of like the reason she has to go behind his back is because these feel like those like therapies for wusses kind of guys. I mean, that's kind of really oh, until no, I'm the not surprised 90s, by it. Like really in the nineties and early two thousands, that oh, was yeah. that was very accurate. Again, I'm not surprised by it. I am saddened. Oh sure. It, like watching me... it made me sad, not because of the movie making entirely, but because of like I felt being bad reminded for of these that. people and they yeah. needed help. And right. like even the supernatural side of it like aside, I was just like, oh no, like if I was watch like any other movie that's made these days with characters like this, I'm like, those guys need help. Yeah. Like uh, Hurt Locker <laughs> is a good example of like somebody who is like kind of spoiler alerts, I guess, uh, for Hurt Locker. Uh, <laughs> if you haven't seen it, it's a great movie. Go check it, it out. It came out like 15 years ago. Get on it. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> he is a good showing of a guy who can't leave war behind. Right. Who like has to be in it. And I think handles it very well. Right. Whereas like this feels like these two guys who are like, I'm not sad. You sad? No, I'm not sad. Here, drink a beer. And I'm just like, ah, this feels like, again, not surprising, but that is what tainted my viewing of the first half To me, of though, film. that almost felt like it was accidentally the message of the movie and that they intended for it to be getting help is good. But then when they threw in all of the the – the extra, not extraterrestrial. What are ghosts? Oh, that would have been great. Supernatural. <laughs> Supernatural. When they threw in all the supernatural <laughs> stuff, it voided that message accidentally, kind of. Like, yeah. Well, it also, like, again, like, if Trent at all was willing to talk to the doctor, if right. Trent was willing to listen to his wife once, yeah. like, any of those small things, I could give them some benefit of the doubt of, like, okay, the supernatural stuff undoes that. But, like, you also don't have your characters, like, your only character who is interested in the the therapeutic help that these people need is a character who isn't actually affected by it and is then again murdered. Well, go ahead. And, oh, and, and the you know, and it also to your point, it also vilifies the doctor a bit. Yeah, because mm-hmm. he's the one who drugs Trent, and he's the one who. Uh, oh, like, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so he's like, I was like, oh, oh. Dan Haggerty's the baddie on this one. I like, and that it was like, His oh, that was a weird turn. Me a lot because. Well, there's parts where they reference him being there with yeah, them in Vietnam. But he's, like, not in, he's not there. Oh, I well, I don't they think just they meant... could get him for the shot. Well, that's probably true. Uh, I thought they just meant he was in Vietnam also. Which I think is kind of what I assumed. But the way they were talking was like they knew each yeah, other. Yeah, uh, that's the thing. Because he doesn't like... I just saw him as like the well, local VA guy. When he's when he's passed out yeah. on the desk drinking like dark rum, he looks up and it's that same war picture of oh, Trent yeah. and <laughs> yeah, Wait. And, that is a good point. Yeah. That I picture forgot he is, about that. Why does he have the picture he's not in? Because it's a dream. I think he took the picture. Oh, shit. Oh, oh shit. shit. Wait, <laughs> then he was there when they shot uh, McGregor. Uh, McGregor. <laughs> he knew that he killed McGregor in Nam nine years ago. I don't know. Which... I think I think he's a construct of, of Jim. Uh, no, of uh, uh, Trent. Do you yeah. think they wrote the movie knowing it was going to be a dream, though? Or do you think they went back? And no. Like, I, well, maybe. They I might think they have... didn't have an ending. <laughs> I, I I would guess they were like, and then it's all a dream. Yeah. Because that's what you do when you don't know a lot about filmmaking. Oh, right. It's like if the Paul brothers tried to do Thin Red Line. I don't know who those who people are. Oh, mm. Jake and Logan Paul. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> that would be that would be interesting. <laughs> oh, my God. They would right, put though. so much money into it. <laughs> and it one of them amazing. is so fit. <laughs> yeah. They're both very fit. Are they both? Yeah. I think I only, yeah. I only know about Logan. Yes. I, 
But oh no, oh. you're right because I used to watch. I, if you watch Vine compilations, there and there, they are very fit. <laughs> yes. So I see those fit boys. Yes, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> Well, they are. They're very fit. <laughs> Ted Pryor he wasn't in this movie, but they're, I found they're out both by... very fit blonde men. They are the '80s Paul brothers. Did you? Did you listen? <laughs> yeah. They would fit in perfectly. Like I would not be surprised if the Paul brothers were like, "We're remaking Deadly Prey and Night Wars." I mean, he bought the Santa house. Yeah. Did you yeah. listen to the episode where we figured out that in the movie Santa with muscles with uh, Hulk, Hulk Hogan, Hogan. lives yeah. in the house that I didn't know that they did that, but Jake I... Paul's house is literally the house from Santa with it's muscles. Amazing. That's great. And when, he lives the exact same life lifestyle. as Hulk Hogan lives in He's that gotta movie. He's got to get conked with a coconut and turn into Santa and learn his lesson. <laughs> <laughs> that's all we're that's all we're dreaming for. Like yeah. that's all we're hoping for is yeah. one day someone can conk him with a coconut. Come on, a head injury. I don't think I've ever had my mind blown as much as I did when that when you came <laughs> up with that, and I was like, "What is happening?" <laughs> it is very weird. But when I was trying to put together, so David Pryor, the director, is it was not I don't think a, a fitness guy. He was just. Uh, you know, normal dude. Uh-huh. His brother Ted is the one that was just like. Was he like a bodybuilder? Or yeah, something? he was a bodybuilder. Yeah. He was model. As I was slacking you, Sam, about. I just did an image search for uh, Ted Pryor oh, and right. found out rather shockingly that he was also a play playgirl model. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was. Uh, he was an eighties Renaissance man. Yeah, he was a you know <laughs> a triple base. threat. Yeah. <laughs> so if you do that image search, I think it's like the third or fourth image over. You just get Ted Schlong. He was a quadruple threat. He's an actor too. Actor, bodybuilder, model, yeah, male, naked guy. And, uh, those are the same. And uh, but but also writer because he co-wrote all five. of this What's five? stuff. What's five? A pentathread. Quince, a pentathread. Quince, but, yeah. Okay, <laughs> sorry, I'm doing differently. <laughs> I think we just summoned the devil. <laughs> so the pentagram it, of this man. <laughs> We just need Abby to stand right there, and we have a perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, so you know, I, there's a lot here that I like. There's a lot here that is. I I, I get where you're coming from, Matt, and I, I don't disagree with you. I didn't have that same reaction. I just had a very joyful and interested reaction. Like I, mm-hmm. this movie was both what I was expecting and also not what I was expecting in a lot of respects. When we were watching it, though, there's the film festival that we do, the Bad Film Festival, Fecal Film Fest. Yeah. And while we were watching it, I was thinking this would be a good movie. But honestly, I also thought this is maybe a little bit too like suicidey, and it doesn't yeah. treat it nicely enough or like with delicate enough touch to be maybe a yeah. good thing to show to a bunch of people. I I would yeah. agree with that. It feels like it's one of those things that, and I am very guilty of this because I literally did similar things in my like college days, mm-hmm. like of filmmaking mm-hmm. of like. Suicide is a very easy thing to put in a movie mm-hmm. to make it seem like like there's emotional stakes yeah. mm-hmm. or that something super serious is happening. But then in the same movie, you have a character referring to suicide as the easy way out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like in this same movie. And it's like, okay, not only did I not take that first suicide scene as like a genuine heartfelt filmmaking moment, I took it as like a, you don't know how to tell us that your person is pained. Right. Uh, but then you later on have his friend slap him and tell him, like, almost, th- like, beg him to shoot himself. Like, he puts the oh, gun yeah. up to his own, like, his friend's face. And cocks it. And cocks it and tells him, like, Go, fine, take the easy way out. Yeah. But both of those things were lifted directly out of Lethal Weapon. Um, oh, yeah. Like, the, the opening scene with mm-hmm. Riggs about to kill himself. Look, 
Mel Gibson's a piece of shit, okay? Like, and has done nothing to redeem himself. Like, he is an awful person. He's also a really good actor. Mm -hmm. And so when you watch that, there's a lot going on there that he's communicating. It's also shot by Richard Donner. Mm -hmm. And Richard Donner is a very good humanist director. So you can get away with that. And then the escalation that happens in there with the suicide and with what's happening with Riggs that culminates with uh, Danny Glover telling him, you know, here, why don't you just do it now because of frustration and reaching this point, even though it's excessive and it's over the top, typical Shane Black, the performances are so good and it's shot so well and we've built to that point so well that we buy into it. Mm-hmm. And we we understand, we also are understanding that Riggs in particular is very damaged from something. Mm-hmm. Um, none of that's present here. Like, no, n- no, none of, none of that. And I, this came out the year after uh, the prior brothers made films very quickly. So I guess they saw the weapon. That's interesting. I didn't even make that connection, but yeah, yeah the I, fact that it came out a year afterwards, yeah, probably definitely inspired. Yeah. Uh, what was the production company on this? This was uh, AIP. AIP. Is Action that, International. Is that similar to uh, Canon Films Group or where, where it's just kind of a big like film mill? Yes. Okay. Uh, very similar. Lower budgeted than Canon. Wow. I mean, well, Canon was not that it was so low budget. It was just that it was they didn't they they did things in such a hurry mm. that they they would, you know, I think we've talked about it before where they would sell a poster at Cannes or wherever to a film distribution company. And then based on that poster, they say, okay, make the movie. And you guys have done the Apple on this podcast. No, we want to though. Yeah. That's a lovely film. (laughs) (laughs) Whose uncle do you think owned that car dealership? Oh Uh, man. Cause Ford. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it got very prominent. (laughs) And also like nothing was like, said bad about the car like uh-huh. it was a like, great Ford Taurus Ford Taurus uh, right. oh that's the right price for my income <laughs> yes yeah. 16,000 seems like a hell of a lot for 1988 but yeah. and they only had $2,000 yeah, and apparently they spent all their money on the car. Yeah. Well, no, it was a Ford Taurus. Oh, was it Ford Taurus? Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah they, they only had $2,000 in the bank. Why did well, they buy you get a, a car? loan. You get a yeah. car loan. You just... What's the point of the car buying scene? Well, only so, so that he can drive yeah, by Johnny. Buy and see Johnny. That's literally oh, it. Right. Which makes that... And tr- introduce the best character in the movie. That's, that makes right. me hate him even more is because... <laughs> That he whole didn't scene, need to be there. like they can already own a car, <laughs> yeah. like they can just be driving to the grocery store and oh. see Johnny. They don't need to go test drive a car. Now, well, Jack they... Shane is the mixoplex of this. Like he shows <laughs> <Yeah>. up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just wish that like they would have like I don't know. It seems so blatant to me that like the probably the only way they could get a car for this movie, like donated, was if they featured the right, car dealership, the dealership in the movie. Yeah. So they were like, "Hey, Uncle." Tim, uh, can I borrow a car from your dealership? He's like, only if you give me credit. And it's like, all right, Campus Ford okay. gets to be featured a bunch of times. We'll put this terrifying ghoul as the No, that's car Uncle dealer. Tim. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> That's probably Uncle well, Tim. That, that makes more sense, that actually. That guy was like 19, though, wasn't he? I don't know who, how old anyone is in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> or what year this movie takes yeah, place yeah. in. Okay. Because they say it's been eight years since Nam. If this is 88... They were in Nam in 1980? Because no. <laughs> they shouldn't have been there. They shouldn't have been there. <laughs> well, they were POWs. They could have been, you know. They, they weren't shouldn't. POWs. Yeah, they started out as POWs. No, that man turned on them. He wasn't like. No, he was in. But he, he was just at the game for a while. Oh. They but were even in like, the camp. I think John McCain, I looked it up, I like see. came home in like 73 or something. So like POWs were returned long before 80. I mean, obviously well, and not everyone came home. Right. Yeah. But that's but, the whole, especially movie mythology. 
for low budget films is that there's still POWs over there we have to okay. save. The Chuck Norris did two films about it. Uh, Rambo 2 yeah. is, uh, sorry, First Blood Part 2. <laughs> Rambo, First Blood Part 2. Um, the Quickening. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Hellbound. Uh, I didn't even consider ridiculous. that they were just POWs who were still there, for, even after the war was over. Here's, I don't think they are at the end. I like, don't want to like quash no. out what Nick was saying, yeah, but true. like that has my biggest bird box issue where Okay, so did not see bird box. Oh, sorry. Not a big spoiler, but okay, so these guys are in a POW camp. They're at war. They all have perfect perms. <laughs> they all have oh, perfect yeah. hair. And they all have the same like booger from uh, uh <laughs> from Revenge of the Nerds haircut. Yeah. And it's very good. And they keep but they keep it throughout all the years, like in the sixties. And it's <laughs> My my problem with that and most like a lot of war movies, especially of that time and like Bird Box, the world ends and everyone just has really good hair. It was one <laughs> of the only things I continuously enjoyed, enjoyed, continuously liked about The Walking Dead was that, my God, everyone's grimy. In yeah, like yeah. They, people look like shit. People look like, <laughs> and you would. You would look like hell. You would smell worse. The cars and, always look great. <laughs> yes, they did, as a matter of fact. Dodge paid a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and Hyundai. But, like, on this, like, what year is it kind of thing? Because that also is thrown off a little bit by the fact that a song from 1967 is upsetting him. Mm-hmm. Because oh, that makes yeah. it, that, my brain goes, oh, 1967. They were in Vietnam in 1967. Wait a minute. If it's all in his dream, he invented four Tauruses. That's what we were talking that, about earlier. We, we t- he had the discussion. perfect vision of 1988. <laughs> yeah. like, Sam was like, oh, man. Ugly he square knows- cars and pastels. Yeah. <laughs> Sam was like, he's got a perfectly accurate like vision of the future. And I was like, he could invent the four Taurus. Yeah, he did, in fact. Yeah, <laughs> He invented it. He's, Someone give me a pen. <laughs> I need to draw this terrible car. <laughs> It's so bizarre because one of my favorite films is kind of this exact same story, and it's going to be my real good, so I don't want to talk about it too much, but it it, it is the same thing, and I don't care about any of those things. (laughs) (laughs) But in here, they jump out, and it has to do, you know, because... It's one of those things, like, when you draw attention to it... Yeah. Then it makes us question it. Right. If you didn't draw attention to it, if you just, like, said, like, oh, we were in Nam, and now it's 88, like... You so many specific references yes. to the you years. Say, it's eight it years, 1967. Yeah. It's like, oh, stop telling us. Yeah. Like, I'm you're Wikipediaing giving... when this war is over, and <laughs> yeah. this doesn't make any sense. I literally, like, <clears throat> mid-movie, I was Googling, like, Vietnam War timeline. Yeah. To see, I did, like, too. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute. I didn't even know what war they were supposed to be in for most of it. Grenada. Like, until they, yeah. <laughs> until they specifically mentioned yeah. Vietnam, I was like, I guess this could be some 80s war I didn't really know about. <laughs> I had to Google when, like, cordless phones came out. Because, <clears throat> no, I mean, because this movie had power. Pavlov's landline. Like, no yep. matter what, if you saw a phone in a scene, it's going to ring. Yes. <laughs> like, he's just sitting on a, like, my favorite scene of Trent, one of them, as he's just, he's sitting on his chair. All he has is a thing of whiskey, a glass of whiskey, and this landline with the, with the, the cord actually just up in the air because it's just still <laughs> clinging to dear life against the wall, Jack. And he's just sitting there, and then you can tell he's kind of side eyeing his phone and waiting for it to ring. Picks it up. <laughs> Yeah, no. it was so. Every, it's a, there were four scenes like that, and there was. I love it. The mark then, of not good direction. Well, I was just because say, it, it is, it's weirdly true. Also, if you ever watch the Dick Van Dyke show, oh yeah, the only time they're 
kitchen telephone is ever visible is when it's gonna ring in the scene. Yeah. <laughs> Every other time it's like put away somewhere. The phone well, like, was on lease. I'm yeah. thinking more like just the actor be like, gonna, when's the when are they gonna <laughs> when are they gonna do the special effect make a phone ring? Yeah. And you know, and surely they'll cut all of this thinking face out. <laughs> right. We're not. Oh God, are you getting this whole? Are you in a medium right now? Oh no, I was looking at the phone. Yeah. It. It's. It is an inept movie, but I I don't know. There's something about it that really made me feel like if if you legitimately if you told me this was made by high school kids, I would go, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. The inability to film it looks like it was filmed in somebody's backyard who just happens to bump into a forest. Mm-hmm. You know, it looks like the you know none of the action roles or anything are that you know, dangerous. Like, but they put someone in a burn suit. Yeah, they yeah, did. They which really did. was exciting, but it was also like not how grenades work. No, <laughs> <laughs> the grenade exploded directly underneath him, yeah. and he's like, and oh, his no. back lights on fire. Uh, they they confused grenades and Molotov cocktails. That's <laughs> even then a Molotov cocktail wouldn't do that. But it's still like, but they, you know, it's just so simple in what it's doing mm-hmm. that it. it it, it can't handle these heavier ideas. Well, one of my favorite bad uh, like bad filmmaking moments is one of those things of like, okay, you tried, but maybe you just shouldn't have. <laughs> is like literally in the first 30 seconds of this, we talked about that long sort of like moving in shot of like Jim sitting in the chair with the weird light bulb. Mm-hmm. And there's like this tense music playing over that. And in the middle of that, he picks up like his whiskey or scotch bottle and you just hear the worst bottle Foley noise, which is like, (laughs) (laughs) like as he picks it up, it's just like, and you're just like, you could have just left that silent. But instead they like added in like a Foley noise that they recorded later. Like we have to have that bottle noise in there. They won't believe that he's gulping it. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) well, they think something's wrong. Well, they'll think something's wrong, but it doesn't have to do with your Foley. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I I don't know. I, uh, high marks for me. (laughs) I had a good time. I watched it twice. Who's the guy in the skull mask? I don't know. What was the skull mask situation? It was a nightmare. It was a nightmare. It was a nightmare within nightmare. So it's even weirder. They go one step down, they find Leonardo DiCaprio, and he's stuck in limbo Uh, with with, uh, Killian Murphy, and they planted a thing in his safe. It would have been fun if they had gone to a bad movie in Inception. Like, that was one of the dream realities. Right? Oh, that would have been great. They went like to Dreamscape. A... <laughs> <laughs> Dennis Quaid. <laughs> Get out of here. Yeah. Well, imagine this in, in Inception when they were all doing the same thing where they were firing guns while they're still under, <laughs> like in the van. <laughs> they're in the van. Just... <laughs> and then it would have been in the plane, too. Yeah. Like brought the plane down. Oh, oh that would have been. I have... I know people give Inception shit, but I think that is a terrific film. And and the way it handles dreams is is interesting and very accurate to my experience with handling with uh, not handling but with uh, dreaming um, and how emotions work in dreams, which is not something I typically give to Christopher Nolan. Like mm-hmm. Nolan's films aren't as emotional; they're very uh, well planned, they're very architected. Like which is funny because a lot of his plots, when you start to look at them, they don't hold up very well. Like mm-hmm. you just no, oh, that doesn't work. The Dark Knight is a mess. Mm-hmm. Um, that plot does not hold up to any sort of scrutiny, but Heath Ledger's performance is incredible in it, and the way it's shot is incredible. So, I don't know. Anyway, this, let's move on. Okay. <laughs> let's not do a podcast about Christopher Nolan. Um, all right, let's uh, move on to how we would each fix this. Uh, I think for me, I've already talked about it. For me, the big fix would be figuring out who your protagonist is very early on, mm-hmm. because that was my biggest holdup, is like, oh, is this... I thought... 
he was our, but now it's, and then that, that sort of fractures my ability to get invested in anyone. I just, and so I would keep it, I mean, largely the same. It, it, you don't need to kill the wife. That's one big thing mm-hmm. that I just, you can just get rid of. You don't need that. You'd have him uh, kill the doctor. Um, you could have them kill the doctor, and then the wife is the one who's there putting him under and having to bring him back out or something. I don't right. know. There, I think there are ways that you can deal with that. But I, this movie's cute to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I enjoyed it. It's entertaining. Had a good time. So I would only fix those two things. Sam, what about you? Uh, yeah, I think I would take, if, if we were leaving the movie as it was, take out the wife murder scene. Because that was another thing that would make it not really, like, fun film festival. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. It also <clears throat> is confusing as far as the movie logic goes of right. like who can see McGregor is he in the dream is he not right right so like removing that scene you just don't have that confusing moment even in your movie yeah and mm-hmm. he's already mad at McGregor he doesn't have to be more mad at McGregor he's already gonna go kill yes. him it's the Highlander issue with the same thing <laughs> yes, of like exactly raping and murdering the wife to make the bad guy more bad when he already his goal is to kill the bad guy yeah he is a he is a traitor to the military who's like torturing his yeah. comrades in arms at the beginning yeah. and killed their friend so he's already bad enough yeah. but i think that this was a very interesting concept for a movie especially for a low budget crap movie yeah that's the thing yeah and I think if it was written by people who had firsthand just people experience, yeah, <laughs> who have firsthand experience with these kind of issues, or was written in conjunction with somebody who could advise them about what the right thing to do would be, right? And you poured like a bunch of money into it, you could make probably like a really scary horror movie about the same thing with like really intense scenes of their dreams. Mm-hmm. That would be interesting and probably have like a good message about like the a good message about getting help instead of whatever messy thing this was they kind of do that in uh the the final friday which is the last nightmare on elm street film oh, i thought you meant like a friday oh, ice with cube ice cube oh. and chris, chris, <laughs> i was like what chris tucker <laughs> the really dark sequel it's a friday crossover, yeah. I, didn't really, I was like there's a movie <laughs> called the final friday i was like i want to know i want to see that uh <laughs> you, you don't it's it is it is the worst of all of the nightmare on elm streets mm. but they do a thing where yafet koto plays a uh a child psychologist working with these troubled teens mm-hmm. and at the end you you realize like no we need to go to him for help mm-hmm. and then he helps them mm-hmm. <laughs> um because he's the only one who actually believes them right uh, and that's an interesting idea so i think that's kind of how one of the nightmare on elm street says too right like that's the, what the i dream warriors? literally just said i thought you said, friday, you the said friday the 13th what the fuck well you said the you said the final friday oh my god which is a friday the 13th movie. you're talking about nightmare on elm street uh, dream warriors yeah, all right no i'm not talking about dream warriors i'm talking about the f- also freddy's the dead movie. Oh my gosh. Freddy's Dead is what I'm talking oh, about. Okay. But Dream Warriors could have been the name of this movie. You said Friday. He said Friday. I did. I totally did. Because mm-hmm. that's I what to... me think of Ice Cube. Let's fix it in post. It I need does to... seem weird that they would go to a therapist in, in a Friday the 13th movie. I, uh... I also was confused. I was <laughs> like, I haven't seen it. But... <laughs> yeah. Until I need to turn in so my bad. horror movie card. Well, <laughs> it was like, that's, that there, was embarrassing. To be fair, there's a lot of horror movies. So. <sighs> I Well, there's Freddy's Dead and The Final Friday. They're both a lot of Fs. Happening yeah. and yeah. I, anyway, yes, Nightmare on Elm Street does make more sense that a doctor could fix the problem because yes. right. he gives them drugs. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> well, Halloween, get... the doctor tries to fix it. He tries a little too, and, yeah. and he fails all the time. You know <laughs> yeah. what? He's a very bad doctor <laughs> and a very yeah. bad solver of problems. Yes. You know what I love, and this is this is something that I've only seen a couple people talk about. But so, like, I think in the first two Friday the third, or just, God damn it, the first two <laughs> Halloweens, Halloween. Donald Pleasant's character, so Doctor Loomis 
was su- was terrible at everything he did. But I think you're supposed to look at him as kind of a heroic figure. Uh-huh. And I love that Rob Zombie didn't play that. Like he was like, no, this character is terrible. Yeah. And he's like trying to drum up business for his book and and he's just manipulating everything. Which like, is a much more interesting take on oh, it. Oh god. The it. new the yeah. new Halloween goes back to like he was right the whole time. This dude should have just been like put out of everybody's misery. Yeah. <laughs> he was right for being such a bad doctor. Right. Yeah. Mm. Which is but, a shame. Yeah. But uh but yeah. Just in I, case. I just appreciate that. <laughs> you never know. I just appreciate that Rob Zombie was like, "No, this doctor's terrible." Mm-hmm. Like, and if you go back and watch those original Halloweens, he's terrible. He's just making all of the worst decisions. Yeah. So anyway, but yeah. So big budget horror movie version of this with more research done, I think would be good. That's fair. Yeah. Or at least, yeah, research. That's a good way to put mm-hmm. it. All right, Brian, what do you think? Um, I would. Uh, I think my. Cheesy acting, fine. Bad special effects, fine. I think this movie was two different movies. That's why I love the car dealership character because at the <laughs> 60 minute mark, this movie goes from this very kind of slow, pastel y Michael Mann kind of plotting all big uh, establishing shots to this commando, mm-hmm. uh, neon, absolutely just buck wild, stupid <laughs> movie. I think if you would have split it in two and either gone one way or the other, I think it could have been a little more effective, at least tone-wise. Because I agree. <clears throat> the first one, it starts out as, you know, albeit a half-assed kind of treatise on uh, PTSD and the horrors of war. But I think you can genuinely make an argument that if you stretch it out, include like the really nice moment where the radio comes on, it's playing the propaganda piece, or you see the thing, and it's just these little blurbs. Mm-hmm. And you're not trying to make it an action movie, and you're instead trying to make it either a thriller. I think that would be effective. Or you could go the full commando route, where you find a toe, or no, they're trying to kill a guy, and they drop that bunch of... All right, sidebar. My hardest I laughed, <laughs> other than where they're suiting up and they take a nap, was when he's like, <laughs> I have... <laughs> I got a solution. He just dumps a bunch of crap oh on his couch, <laughs> and it takes like five seconds, and they're like, oh, that's a good one. And it zooms in. Oh, it's alarm clocks. It's a bunch of clocks. Yeah. The but whole neighborhood's like, going to wake up. dump like a bunch of crap on the couch? <laughs> the whole neighborhood's going to wake up. <laughs> yeah, the, gun, like, the uh, gunshots aren't going to wake anybody up. <laughs> the alarm clocks. Yeah, I thought they were like fireworks or yeah. something interesting. Yeah. Also, but... no one wakes up. Yeah. Nope. Not no. a single person goes, God. Right. If you breathe on me hard, I'm going to wake up. Oh, yeah. People yeah. are getting Absolutely. slapped. But no, you can do... Okay, so you can have the half kind of pastel-y Michael Mann thing. Mm-hmm. Or you could have just the absolutely buckwild commando thing and i think that would be entertaining would it have any gravitas no would it be a uh a popcorn watcher absolutely i don't know i think splitting into and at least picking your tone and picking which movie you want to make i think that's how i'd fix it yeah i think that makes a lot of sense matt since you liked it the least <laughs> i'm making you, a new movie you're making a <laughs> radical changes yes i'm just i'm creating an entirely new movie made now uh that's uh, so basically i want to like you guys found some of this movie funny, and so I want to make a comedy that is not about real war at all. Um, basically, my idea is, like, I was watching parts of this, and I was like, every time like they fall asleep, it feels very repetitive. And, like, they show up to this area. McGregor's there waiting for them. There's the bad guys they got to defeat to get to McGregor. This feels like a video game. Mm-hmm. And so McGregor's the main boss they have to defeat. They have to get through uh, all the Vietnamese soldiers to get to him. Uh, so for me, I want to go into a Ready Player One meets Call of Duty 
version of this movie mm-hmm. where there are two dudes who love playing video games, super into like Call of Duty type of video games. And one day a bullet basically comes out of the game, shoots his gaming chair. He gets real upset. But then him and his bro figure out they have to go into the game and beat the game. Otherwise, they could actually die. I think the way you can pull this off is uh, to have Lord and Miller and the team behind 21 Jump Street make that movie. (laughs) Because I feel like Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill being those two dudes makes that movie funny to me. Well, then who's the third person they got to go in and save, though? Gerard Butler. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Is it his Mm. character from Gamer? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) No, it's his character from Olympus Has Fallen or whatever those movies are where he's always the one that has to go (laughs) and save people. Well, now the new one, he's Angel Has Fallen, and he has to be saved. You could do a really fun, like, Jumanji-style thing. Oh, yeah. Where you have, like, their avatars in the game being different actors or like the main bad guy being played by like The Rock or whatever you could probably get. Mm-hmm. Um and so it's like I'm like okay, I don't like I don't want to make a movie about like real people struggling with PTSD and maybe make it lighthearted. So I'd rather have it be these guys who think they know what war is because they played a lot of Call of Duty, but then they have to actually fight and they don't know shit. Uh so yeah, make that movie instead. I'll watch that one. Hell yeah. Yeah. I I guess maybe it's a 21 Jump Street sequel. Like mm-hmm. they they make all those fake ones at the end of the movie. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, make it one of those. I mean, there was going to be that Men in Black That would have yeah. been so crossover. good. That was a good idea. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why they bailed on that. I have no idea. <laughs> but yeah, make make the Men in Black one uh-huh. and then make 21 Jump the Street one, Call of Duty. The Call of Duty movie. It can be like an official Jones. Call of Duty thing. <laughs> yeah. I don't care. <laughs> Underwritten by 21 Jump Street Modern Warfare. <laughs> I'd be up for that. Yeah. All right, well... On that note, it's time to move on to how we would rate this movie. Each of us has our own rating system. Uh, Ryan will be starting with you because you have to come up with your own rating system. Absolutely. Um, So I'm going to rate this on uh, good quality hours of REM sleep. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm going to give it Mm -hmm. five out of eight. Okay. Good Mm -hmm. quality hours of REM sleep. Um, Some of the the gags got me, but poorly executed, but I still wake up feeling pretty all right and ready to take on the day. You can go to work, but you don't really feel great. Yeah, I can work, but I'm not going to get like quality work done. By like 2 p.m., you're going to be ready to go home. I'm going to be ready for a coffee at about 2 o'clock in the (laughs) afternoon, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) That's fair. Sam? Uh, My system is a European toilet system. So in Europe, there's toilets and there's two buttons on them. One has little flush for pee. One has big flush for poop. So you're flushing this movie until it goes down. Ah, this is another one where I'm really torn because it's almost good enough to keep on my knickknack shelf just because it was maybe one of the funniest things I've seen when they're really shooting the guns. (laughs) (sighs) But I'm a little embarrassed of it too because I wouldn't really want to show it to like that many people because I don't know, just like the rape scene is not not good in like a major way. So I think I have to flush it. I think I'll just do a pee flush. Or maybe I'll give it a little salute as it's going down. <laughs> I think I got I think it would only take one pee flush to flush it down with my utmost respect for this movie. But it has to go to hell. It has to go. Yeah. All but right. would Ernest make it better? Oh, and I forgot I was going to say, I don't think Ernest has any place in this movie. Uh, he could be the POW friend in the pit, which maybe would be interesting. Ernest as, uh, uh, why can't McGregor? Oh no. no! He does play a good villain. He does. Play yeah. a good he should just be like 
one of the platoon guys at the very very end like yeah. don't even mention him by name don't let don't give him a line <laughs> yeah. but like right as they're like wake up sarge uh-huh. or maybe he's the one waking him up yeah he's like wake up sarge sarge <laughs> well, he's not wake even up. in fatigues he's just in his he's normal outfit yeah his little hat yeah Ernest goes to war. Is that a movie? Yeah. I think he's in the army. In that's one. the one. Yeah, that's the one where he solves it with uh, a poop scoop paddle, like throwing landmines. Mm. Perfect. That I sounds think it, great. Wow, I, I checked out of him after Ernest scared <laughs> stupid. I'm trying to think of the details of that movie, and I just keep mixing up with Pauly Shore's in the, in the army, army now. now. Yeah, uh, so. the Ernest one has him drinking hot chocolate, and he say he stops himself from kissing a girl with poison lips because he has like a chocolate milk thing, and he's like, "Oh, I'm in the desert," and he's just drinking nothing. It's <laughs> so the only thing desert, I remember. About he's in Desert Storm. Yeah, he's in Desert Storm. Fascinating. Yeah. So yeah. is Pauly Shore's in the army now, I believe. Huh. Would Ernest make this better? I'm going to say definitively I don't think he would. All right. All right. I don't think That's he has fair. a place. I agree that. with you on that. Matt, what's your rating? Uh, my rating system is which Batman movie is it? Uh, yeah. So I was – this one was hard because I hated it. Because you love every Batman movie. No, but I the reasons I dislike Batman movies sometimes are different from the reasons I dislike this movie. Mm-hmm. So – the closest comparison I have is that this is the 1943 Batman serial mm. film, which is super offensive to Asian people, oh. just like this movie. <clears throat> that makes sense. So, hey, that's the closest comparison I could think of, is mm. like something I'm going to watch and go, oh, I, this makes me sad and uncomfortable, and I don't like it. Yeah. So, the old ba- the first Batman movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh, mine is what Star Wars movie is it? And uh, I am going to go with uh, Ewoks, Battle for Endor. Absolutely god awful, but it's way better than Caravan of Gar- or Caravan of Courage. <laughs> Did you almost say Caravan of Garbage? Yeah, yeah that's a that's a, <laughs> a YouTube, YouTube series it's you a, watch. Yeah, it's a YouTube <laughs> series I watch. Um with Mr. Sunday movies, which I absolutely adore and share with Matt quite often. Yeah. Um but no, Ewoks uh, Battle for Endor is uh it's it's terrible but a raucous good time <laughs> and a really good villain in and it as well. Cute probably. And cute. Well, I don't know, the the whew, the Ewoks eyes in that get really uh. Upsetting, <laughs> but still, that's my rating for it. Um, it's made from a TV movie, but I don't care. Uh, so, okay, uh, our last segment is real Wait, good. Was this made for video only, or was this a theater release movie? I you know, think it was straight to video. Okay, eighty-eight. I think I could be wrong about that, but I think it was straight to video. Okay, which is why there would be only a four by three version. Oh, that, that was clearly sense. a VHS rip. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. Yeah. AIP. There's a couple tracking moments in there. <laughs> yeah, AIP. Uh, I think just lost everything at some point in the '90s and uh, sold off all their stuff. And okay. there's probably no masters okay. anywhere. Um, which kind of makes me sad. No 4K restoration. I would of Night see. Wars. This is another one. I would love to have a 4K restoration of this, just so just to preserve it. They found the 4K Tammy and the T Rex, right? Or like oh, the, well, film? the the film. Yeah, the, they found the 35 millimeter the of that. Cut. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm excited about. Who's man. paying for that restoration? Oh, I, I would. Will. <laughs> I would. I would donate to that Kickstarter. If you didn't watch the Gore Cut, you don't know what you're missing. <laughs> it's so good. The guy running around with his head bit off. Oh. It's so good. <laughs> it's just a chef's kiss. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, okay, so our final segment is called Real Good, where we recommend something real good for uh, you to watch instead of or in addition to this movie. Um, I have two. One is real quick and obvious, which is the one I was talking about, which is Jacob's Ladder. So mm-hmm. Jacob's Ladder, Tim Robbins plays a Vietnam vet who's come back to uh, try to get through life. And there are many, many problems that may be supernatural. Um, what year but, did that come out? Who 80. Six eighty seven, right around the same time. Okay, it was, it was right right in there. Um, and Tim Robbins is great in it. So 
there's that one. But then the other one that I want to recommend is also about, it's not about PTSD, but it is about somebody coming back from war. And that is the Adam Wingard film, The Guest, which oh. is one of my top 10 favorite films mm-hmm. um, at this point. I absolutely love it. I don't want to give away any of the twists or turns. It's a really good action thriller. Um, well, I wouldn't even say action thriller. It's a really good thriller that has a couple of action sequences in it. So that got the dude uh, from Downton Abbey yes, in it? Yes. Okay. And he I got like that guy. ripped yeah. for that movie. Um, and it's... I, I really can't say enough good things about it. Um, also, just a dynamite soundtrack. Check out The Guest. Matt, what's your real good? Uh, I'm real good. I was inspired by my other idea for a fix was little kids playing with, like, G.I. Joes or little plastic army men and then finding out that, like, there's consequences to their actions. Is it, it going to be what I think it's going to be? Possibly. Uh, <laughs> this sounds very familiar. Well, no. No. That is That was my idea for a fix. That is not this movie. <laughs> Okay. But that idea for the fix came from oh. the fact that I watched Toy Story uh, right after I watched Night Wars. Okay. So watch Toy Story because it's better and more fun. I think I say Small Soldiers. Yeah, I was gonna, I was no. Small soldiers. <laughs> yeah. That's where my brain went as well. But no, there's there's something that's ringing a bell about. I don't know. Maybe playing, that exists. It might be a Twilight Zone I'm thinking of. I don't uh, know. But There's an old video game called uh, Army Men. Oh, yeah. yeah that's 3D. a good point. Yeah. Hmm. But yeah, that was my other idea for a fix was just to have like little boys find out that like when they're playing with their army toys that like there's actually consequences and it's very sad. That does sound super familiar. Something, I mean, right? maybe that's real. I Yeah. I saw a documentary about that, about people who were uh, doing drones and like flying drones and kind of dealing with their, I can't remember mm. the name of it off the top of my head. Well, but. there's also like War Welcome Games. to Marwin. Yeah. I think is. Making toys. He's making toys to help deal with his PTSD. Something I think. like that. Something. Yes. Um, that is true. I, no, there's something where people are playing with stuff. It's kind of like Ender's Game. Right? A, a little bit. It's, I mean, it's not that sci-fi. We'll talk about this after yeah, the podcast, yeah. and then I'll post on Twitter. Has that happened in the movie Toys? With I don't Robin think Williams? so. Ah, uh, yeah, kind of. I think that, it, yeah, the guy like gets children to play with like army simulators that actually are blowing things up in other yeah. countries. I think. Well, we that's not know, what I'm thinking. Of. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sam, what's your real good? Hey, it doesn't really have much to do with this movie, but I just saw it and I can't stop thinking about the new Godzilla movie. I was going to ask you how it's you liked so it. Good. <laughs> There's lots of army men in it shooting at Godzilla. It doesn't do any good, but they do it anyway. Uh, it's really fun, and I just sat there with a big smile on my face the whole time because it's so stupid and oh, good. And sometimes that's all you can ask of a movie. Yeah, and like I laughed, I cried, comes out of the water, the old theme song plays. Mm. It was great. It was a good time. Did, did Mothra live up to expectations? Well, I don't want to spoil anything. Okay, well. Then. <laughs> did it have yeah. twins? Mm. Uh, I don't want to spoil that either because there's such a, mm, okay. such a nice okay, moment. Okay. We'll, we'll leave it there. Me Do and I Rachel need just looked seen... at each other like with <laughs> with the widest grins. Do I need to have seen the other Godzilla movie that recently came out to no. understand this one? No. All you need to know is Godzilla already wrecked some shit a few years earlier. <laughs> all right. And now he's back. Which I feel like That's you would know, I know that. Godzilla. Yeah. 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 <laughs> It's kind of all he's capable of doing. We're just lousy with Godzilla's. Yeah. (laughs) Ryan, what's your real good? Um, My real good, I have two. Um, I kind of went two ways of it, uh, Sam. Uh, My first one was uh, Warrior. Uh, Uh, The MMA movie? Yeah, but it has has Tom Hardy doing a really cool... I don't necessarily think it's a good, accurate depiction of um, uh, PTSD, but it has a really good kind of way of reconciling with family and re kind of joining a society that maybe doesn't necessarily fit you, but still while still having the same kind of not violent, um, uh, I guess outlet, but it still is kind of a, it was a really cool thing. And I thought Nick Nolte was amazing in it. 
Very good actor. Very good actor. Um, and then my other one was, uh, we mentioned it earlier, was uh, Friday the 13th. Uh, my God, I did it. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street <laughs> <not> 3. <laughs> uh, Dream Warriors. Uh, I thought that that one was, that's my favorite uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Uh, it has a killer soundtrack and it was. Dockin'. Hell yeah, mm. Dockin'. <laughs> that wizard kid shouldn't have died though. No, I, I agree. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, so I think that, yeah. Yeah, that Nightmare on Elm Street 3 has the most painful uh, dream death. Which one? It's the the one where they make the kid the puppet and they're pulling out like his nerves. Yeah. No, the one where the lady turns into a roach. That's the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> but Her is it arms is... also split open in that too. That's four, which is my favorite. So Ugh. that's so yeah, scary. The, the puppet one got me, but it was you know it was kind of fun. Her I whole don't know. skin was... comes off. Yeah, Ugh. I hate that. That's the worst. <laughs> you movie check thing. in, but like, you don't like, check like out. That part's funny. Ugh. Like what? Oh, oh, that's another flaying movie. Which one? Uh, Martyrs. Oh yeah. Mm. Let's, the less we talk about martyrs. I don't want to see I accidentally watch that movie? with my mom. No. I have a bad history of Why? accidentally watching terrible movies with my mom. <laughs> Thank you all for joining me on this uh, stream of consciousness episode of Real Bad. I appreciate it. The uh, first unscripted episode. Yeah. 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 So normally we have very very strict scripts. Yeah, we fired all our writers. Yeah. 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 We're on a writer strike. Yeah. And so this is what it's like now. I'm very very sorry. Uh, Matt, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on the internet at Matt. Matthew Gatos, uh, and you can find my podcast at iloveitpodcast.com. What was the latest one? Uh, well, I just recorded three, so now I'm confused. The next one that goes up is about phone games, and then we've got comic books and robots. Sweet. Coming up. Robots? Who did you talk about? Who robots? likes robots? A, a, a guy I know. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was a like, robot. Did, did, you get, <laughs> did you get Simone Gertz on your... No. I've uh, been like, damn. No. Uh, I feel like you said a high bar. It's not her, so... <laughs> <laughs> Sam, where can people find you? Oh, uh, on Twitter. <laughs> um, <laughs> at Slam Schultz. That's my Twitter. I have like 499 followers. Come on. I want more. I want need one more. I need one more. I'm going to go and follow you. Oh. <laughs> oh. I might have like nine, 484 or something like that. Yeah, 497. You're it's so close. Fucked up. <laughs> well, anyway, I'm also on SciShow Tangents. If you listen, if you follow SciShow Tangents on Twitter and you don't follow me, that's sick. But okay, so that's a podcast I list, uh, that I'm on. Which we talk about science with Hank Green, Sarah Riley, and Stefan Chin. Uh, and then, hey, guess what? We finally scheduled. Our first record for the new version of Real Bat, Real Love, <laughs> Real Love, which is where my fiance and I watch a movie. We make each other watch a movie and we talk about the movie. But this time, we're making other couples pick movies for each other and talk about them. So, and at like, some point, single people as well. Yeah, we that too. We're just we're starting slow. I'm very we only excited. Have one to, scheduled. Yeah, so, very excited to to talk to you guys about movies. So. Yeah, we have to think of a good gimmick though. So, if you have any ideas for a good gimmick. For what kind of movies you want to watch? About sad single people. Okay. You, me, and Dupree. <laughs> yeah, we'll just watch You, Me, and Dupree. Yeah, give me, give me, give me it. Okay. I'll do I it. I don't know what that movie really don't, is. Don't, don't, nothing. About like a third wheel. Nothing oh. with dog death. Oh. oh, yeah. We don't like that either. Yeah, okay. So not Jurassic Park. There's a dog died in to Jurassic Park? The Lost Kingdom or whatever it's called. Lost oh, World? Jurassic Park, Jurassic World. Yeah. Lost World. Yeah. Fucking, I don't know. <laughs> Friday the 13th. <laughs> a Nightmare on 13th Street. Halloween. Halloween. So Semicolon. Uh, pumpkinhead. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, at Slam Schultz, uh, Real Love, Tangents, that's where you can find me. All Excellent. those places. Ryan, where can people find you? Uh, well, you can just call me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, now I am uh, there you go. on four oh six. Yeah, four oh six. Three two one. Now, uh, uh, my Twitter uh, that I basically just repost Guy Fieri's Twitter feed. It's uh, Cyan Roll uh, underscore, uh, and uh, you'll find me at VidCon. Go to VidCon. It'll be fun. Don't try to talk to him though. Probably he'll be very busy. Yep. You will not see me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he'll be behind stage. I will if be, you see him, you I will be yelling be at a magician. Well, or probably. you're famous. Yeah, you're either famous or you shouldn't, shouldn't be where be you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll or be there though. You can come talk to me. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Yeah, please do. Yeah. I'm doing some sort of workshop. Come to it. I am also doing some sort of workshop. Oh, come well, to it. I'm not. Go to Matt's. <laughs> All right. Like, what's uh, yours about? Lighting. What's yours about? Sound. Oh, what you got sense. to offer? I don't. Nothing. I'm there to just help Tuna. I'm nothing. just there to be the ombudsman for Tuna, so that when he says something, what was I that can word go, you just what said. What is that ombudsman? Mean? Ombudsman? Why it's are a you... fact checker basically? Okay, yeah. you all know that word that I've never heard in my life. Well, we just did a crash course with hat, which had it in it, and now I have yeah. new vocabulary. Uh, I want to work with Tuna again. I should, that was a gaffer <laughs> on a movie with Tuna. <laughs> <laughs> Working with Tuna is great. Yeah, but no, I'm gonna be just. He's gonna be talking about stuff, and I'm gonna make sure that it's all like you know, like okay, now explain that to me. Oh, I, oh, I was hoping yeah. you'd just be sitting off to the side with a buzzer. And anytime he said something wrong, just, <laughs> eh. He's no, wrong. Do it again. You're gonna be one the, more time with feeling. Yeah. You're gonna be the dumb guy. Yes, that's a good I'm gonna role. be the dumb guy. Yeah, that's yeah. A good, it's I great because like I don't have to guy. really prepare. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna be the dumb guy in mine too because me and Hiroka talking about lighting. Oh yeah, Whoa. Hiroka is not the dumb version. Nope. on that. <laughs> I would be. I would be the dumb version also with Hiroka. Yeah. So anyway, come talk to us at uh, at, at VidCon. And, or at least watch us from a distance. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> um, but this will be. Uh, this should be fun. Oh yeah. Anyway, you look um, so haunted when you said that. That's <laughs> just my face. Oh, yeah. That's just I what I look like. <laughs> yeah. And of course, you can find us at Patreon.com/slash/RealBadPod. Uh, if you like what we do here, chip in a buck or two. We really appreciate it. Uh, you can also find us at RealBadPod on Twitter and Instagram. I got to put up more Instagram posts because I forget Instagram is a thing. A real big thanks to Black Duck Studios, T. Michael Martin, I Love It Podcast, Candace, Sarah Caroline, and Anna Moss for supporting us on Patreon. Thank you so much. Uh, real Bad is part of the Cage Club Podcast Network. You can go to cageclub.me and check out podcasts like The Keanu Club, where Joey and Mike watch and discuss all of Keanu Reeves' movies, which I think is an excellent thing to do, frankly. Join us next week for more painful movies, but until then, this has been Real Bad. <laughs>